Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. Well, Christ Community Church said it's a little odd, take a little bit getting used to till we get through this, but we'll get through it. Um, as I said, if, uh, if you tuned in late, as they say, um, I, we will be trying to put the bulletins online on Facebook and our webpage and, and, and so forth, so you have that. Um, the services that we have streaming now um, are recorded. They're on YouTube forever or until the Lord returns, and he'll do away with YouTube. We know why. Um, and it'll be on Facebook and, and so forth. But what we're going to do now is we're going to jump into the Gospel of Luke. So if they're at home, open your Bible or your Bible app, go to Luke 9. We're going to work from Luke 9, 1 through 27. So let's jump right into the gospel of Luke and just keep working through it. 9, 1. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and heal the sick. Now notice that. Jesus granted them this power. This is not a power that they possessed. This is the power that belongs to God alone. He may work through someone to heal or to um, drive out a demon or something like that, but this is God's power. If you'll, you'll see when we get to the transfiguration that when the, some of the disciples come down from the mountain with Jesus, they find other disciples unable to drive out a demon. And Jesus says this one can only come out by way of prayer. Why? Because it is God's work. Remember that. Too many people have made money abusing that nonsense. And he told them, this is Jesus talking to the disciples, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. What's he saying? Just go, go right now and trust me. Trust me. And whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Now, what's going on there? What's going on is this. The disciples enter a village to preach the kingdom of God. And what's going to happen? If they're healing diseases and expelling demons, you know, maybe the first person they met who is interested in hearing about the kingdom of God and welcomes them in as a poor person. But then some rich dude with a nicer house and really good digs and really good food comes along and says, hey, hey, guys, you can, you can stay with me over here. It's Jesus saying, don't do that. Don't do that. In other words, don't use your position of authority in the kingdom of God to try to make things better for yourself. The priority is the proclamation of the kingdom of God. But if they won't listen... Turn around, walk the other way. Jesus says the same thing. Don't, this is what Jesus means. He says, don't cast pearls before swine. Swine, pigs don't know what to do with a pearl. They have no idea. They might snip it, might try to eat it, I guess, but they don't know what it is. And he, what is the pearl? The pearl is the proclamation of the gospel. And so we are ordered continually to do this, to go and to proclaim the gospel to everyone we can. But if people refuse to listen, Jesus says, turn and walk away. Don't waste your time. And avoid a lot of arguments, folks. 
Now, keep this in mind. The disciples have to be absolutely amazed. Jesus says, you're going to have this power for now. And they go out, and boom, it happens. They, they see this. They see through their prayers, through the proclamation of the name of Jesus Christ, they see demons exit. They see people healed. Keep that in mind. Because as I've told you, Luke hangs together. And this is important what comes next. Seven. Now, Herod the Tetrarch, this is one of the sons of uh, Herod the Great, heard about all that was going on. And he was perplexed because some were saying that John had been raised from the dead, others that Elijah had appeared, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. But Herod said, I beheaded John. Who then is this? I hear such things about. And he tried to see him. Herod is interested. He wants to see this guy. He wants to, he's curious. He's not looking to place his faith in them. He's just curious. And he, like his, you know, uh, father before him and so forth, they had religious advisors. It's not that the Herodians were really religious people. They weren't. But they had advisors around them so they could play religion and act like they knew what they were talking about. It is said Herod, um, even though he murdered his own children, would then go to the temple and, and offer sacrifices. Why? To appear holy. Politicians still do it all the time. But he had religious advisors around him and said, what, what's going on there? Who is this guy? And the advisors say, well, some say that he's John the Baptist come back from the dead. Others say he's Elijah. Others say, well, that's going to be important because these people around Herod are basically traitors to their nation. They're in it for the bucks. They're repeating what they hear on the street. And it's not that most Jews believed in reincarnation. They didn't. They, they did not. But Israel was not just Jews. There were people from the east. There were people there who did believe in reincarnation. And there also well, there was the Jewish belief that you can have the same spirit as someone. Now, what does that mean? Having the same spirit means that guy is like that guy. This is what Elisha means when he says, give me a double portion of spirit. I want to be like you, but more so. And saying, well, he's like John the Baptist. And Herod's basically saying, when's this going to stop? I already killed this guy. Now, it's important that you see that Herod and the advisors are saying this because it's going to come back around here in a minute. Now, when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside, find food, lodging, because we're in a remote place here. We're like an Otway. So he replied, you give them something to eat. They answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go out and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. Now, the disciples just saw this incredible healings, throwing out demons and so forth, and what are they doing? They're already doubting Jesus' power again. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, 
And the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces that were left over. Now, notice what's happening there. It's, again, this is creation. This is creation. When I say Jesus is God, what is one of the few things that God has in himself that he does not share with anyone else? The power of creation out of nothing. We can't do that. We can shape things. We can create things out of pre-existing material. Only God can create out of nothing. And is that not what he's done? He's created out of nothing. The power of creation. And then what does he do? He takes the bread, prays, breaks the bread. What's he doing? It's communion. It's communion. Now, this is important because what have the disciples now seen? They've seen creation. They've seen Jesus with the very power of God as we see only in Genesis 1. And yet, when we get to 18, things start to fall apart. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowd say I am? Notice how they replied, just like Herod's advisors. They replied, Well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others that one of the prophets long ago has come back to life. What about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? Peter answered, you are the Christ. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. We've talked about that many times, why he did not want a political revolution. That's not why he came. And he said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law. He must be killed on the third day and be raised to life. And he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. And truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. Now, that last verse I needed to include in this section, even though it's kind of a transition to, to next week, but I just didn't want to bite off more than I could chew, that some here will not see death before they see the kingdom of God. There are many theories on what that means. Um, some people say it's the destruction of the temple, which the, uh, the uh, disciple John would live to see. Um, some say that it's uh, the resurrection. Some say it's what we'll see next week, which is the transfiguration, to give you a preview of what's coming next week. But I want to go back to this. Now, Jesus asked them, who do the people say that I am, and what, what did they do? Well, they say that you might be this. They say, some say... I personally can't stand it when people do that. When you ask a question and they respond with, well, they say, some say, they say a lot, don't they? I don't know who they are, but they say a lot. But Peter, Peter is the one who's up and say, you are the Christ. Now, this is incredible because think about what the disciples have just seen. 
And yet, out of the 12, how many of them pipe up and go, you are the Christ? One. One. The other 11 fall back into that wimp mode of, well, they say. They have just seen the power of God working through them to defeat Satan, to, to heal disease. They have seen Jesus create ex nihilo out of nothing. And you got 11 wimps going, well, some say, they say. Now, I know Peter gets a bad rap. He is full of yes and no. He is, on the one hand, the one disciple that says, you are the Christ. And then he says, I'll die rather than let them take you. And and give him credit, Peter put up a fight. But then, when Jesus is taken away and arrested and sentenced to death, I never knew him. But give Peter credit. When Jesus says, who do they say I am? Only Peter stands up and says, you are the Christ. And then Jesus goes on to explain what the Christ must do and what it's like to be a disciple that follows that Christ. And we know from other Gospels that Peter just blows it automatically, doesn't he? Oh, no, 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 that would never happen to you. And Jesus says, stand behind me, Satan. Now, it's easy to look at Peter and go, and all the disciples, and go, my goodness sakes, what is wrong with them? How can they be that dumb, that dense? Well, let me ask you this. Maybe you're something like me. Uh, This year marks the 23rd year that I've been a Christian. In those 23 years, I do not think ever once has it come out of my mouth that I do not know Jesus. I have never denied him with my mouth, ever. Not in those 23 years. Before that, yes. After that, no. But I have denied him every time I've sinned. And here's why. Understand what sin is. Sin is rebellion against the kingship, lordship of God, is it not? So every time you sin, what are you doing? You are denying the kingship, lordship of Jesus Christ, are you not? It is a denial of Jesus. Make no bones about it. And just like Peter, I do that every day. I did it this morning driving in. Got a moving roadblock in New Boston. Two people side by side driving 30 miles an hour in a 35. I'm trying to get to church. We all do it. But the goal, as Jesus lays out, is to deny ourselves, take up the cross daily, and follow him. The goal is to grow day by day, 
month by month, year by year, and it is a long, painful process of growth. To grow and grow and grow so that more and more of our actions and our thoughts are declaring to the world, you are the Christ. It takes long time. It takes a lot of prayer. It takes a lot of wisdom. It takes a lot of worship. It takes a lot of study. It takes a lot of giving to others, being selfless. You know, I, most of you at home haven't got a bulletin, and even since the bulletin was printed, we've had updates. We're still praying for Huey Blair, we've, uh, Earl Strickland, Rosie Schaefer fell and broke her hip and just had surgery. Dan Hall's back in the back in the hospital. We need to be praying for these people, loving these people, treating them like the family that they are, worrying less and less about ourselves and what we want and what we need. And during this pandemic now, it's especially important that all of us be more selfless. That means, for example, that you don't just blow this whole thing off and, ah, I don't need to wash my hands. Ah, what difference does it make? Folks, if you go to the grocery store or you go to the bank or whatever and you're infected and you touch a surface, and quite frankly, I'm healthy enough that I think if I get it, I'll just have three or four really bad days. But if I touch that surface and I, I, don't have, I haven't cleaned my hands, I, don't, I haven't done any of that, I do that, and the next person comes by, they have emphysema, or they have a serious heart condition, and they touch it, and they get it. They can die. And that's what you need to pay attention to, as well as praying, as the president has declared, for not just our nation, which we should, but the whole world, because this is almost everywhere. It's in Africa now. It's, it's everywhere. And so we need to be praying hard, thinking of ourselves less. The goal of the Christian life is that with every thought, every desire, every action, every word, to be declared to everyone around us, I say, He is the Christ. And it matters in the way you do that as well. I've seen way too many Christians, in fact, every year, every year down at Shawnee State, or, and last year I think it was at River Days, there's a guy who goes down there and starts screaming at people to repent. Now, I believe people need to repent, but I don't believe you need to scream at them about it. I don't believe that, that we, as followers of Christ, should set ourselves up as being superior in Christ in how we interact with others. We're following a Lord. Picking up our cross and following Jesus means following him in the way that he looks at the people who have spit upon him, who have beaten him, who have mocked him, who have slaughtered him. And he looks at them and says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Tone matters as well. It just does. In every way, be working toward 
making every part of your life say, I say he is the Christ, and less of denying him with our sin. That only happens. There's no magic pill. I've had people come to me. I'm struggling with this. Are you praying? No. No, that's one of the reasons you're struggling with it. Are you, are you aware of the presence of God in your life daily? The presence of the Holy Spirit that if you have truly come to faith, if you've truly been saved, that the Holy Spirit is within you. Does that affect the way you talk and think and what you look at and what you do? It should. The way you treat each other. Including your family at times like this. A lot of you are going to be tested. Because <laughs> for those of you who are going to be quarantined for two weeks, being in a basically a box with another person or several people, things can get a little tense. But remember that if you lose your temper and you treat a loved one harshly, do you know what you're doing? You're saying, I never knew him. So you need to keep that in mind. Folks, I'm done. And so what we're going to do is pray again. I'm going to ask all of you at home to be praying continuously today for our world, for our nation, for its leaders as they address this, for the healthcare workers that I was talking to someone this morning. Some healthcare workers are just being overwhelmed right now. And so you need to pray for them and be smart. If you're sick, quarantine yourself for two weeks. Try to stay six feet away from other people. Wash your hands for 20 seconds with hot water and soap. Quit hoarding the toilet paper, please, and we will get through this. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that even in a time of crisis like this, it's possible for us to come together, to worship, take communion, hear your word. We pray, dear Lord, for every single medical worker in the world who's dealing with this pandemic. We pray for the leaders of every nation in the world dealing with this pandemic. We pray for the sick. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you will keep safe those who have already serious medical conditions and don't need to come in contact with this. Pray this all in Jesus' name. And even this, for those of us who will be kind of hunkered down over the next two weeks, that we will take this time by ourselves or with our family to grow closer and closer to you and declare your son's lordship first in our family and then to the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, Christ Community Church, thank you. Now, understand, uh, you go to our website um, if you want to continue to tithe, help us keep the lights on during this pandemic, um, you can go to our website. It's really easy to do. I've done it on both my laptop and, the, and my phone. It's really easy to give online to Christ Community Church if you want to help keep the lights on for us. And so we'll, these streams that are being recorded, so you can check them out all week long. And so we'll continue to do this until we feel it's safe to have us all together again. All right? God bless you. God go with you. Continue praying for us, the nation, the world. See you. Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page.